Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's her name? Cooley. 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 Sorry, they've got some funny names. K-U-L-I. Cooley. Cooley is a Belgian Malinois. Sleek, lean, dappled gray and black, panting happily on a patch of grass way up in the hills of northeastern Alabama. This, this dog's probably from Hungary. 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 And she's how old? She's not over two, but I don't exactly have her information. Yeah. 24 months or, or below. Yeah. 24 yeah. months or below. We have all that paperwork at the office, but we don't yeah. have that right here. That is the biggest tongue I've ever seen. <laughs> We're all standing in front of a cluster of concrete buildings spread over a large, rolling, wooded campus an hour or so from Birmingham. The headquarters of an organization called 360 Canine Group. The whole operation looks like a scaled-down army base, only instead of soldiers marching to and fro, there are dogs. Dozens and dozens of them, Puppies stumbling playfully, chocolate labs chasing things, German shepherds looking for a job to do. And Cooley, one of the operation's newest recruits, a teenager in dog years, being put through her paces. A rubber toy for which she has acquired a certain affection was taken from her, and her job is to find it. You can see like where she slobbered right here. So she caught the over here, turned. Once she turned, she can see it. That one can't go visual. She has never done an exercise like this before. 
and the assignment has filled her with enthusiasm. She can't fist for seat, she's got to use her nose. <laughs> Cooley is standing in front of one of the cabinets, tail wagging. Not sure how doors work, but she knew her toy was in there. Yeah, good girl. Cooley's a good girl, all right. She follows her nose, and we have a lot to learn from her. My name is Malcolm Gladwell. You're listening to the final episode of season six of Revisionist History, my podcast about things overlooked and misunderstood. This has been a season devoted to fixing things. College rankings, laundry, The Little Mermaid. We have looked at many burning issues and said, we can do better. But there are some problems that we cannot fix on our own. Some problems are so big, they can only be solved with the help of another species. Okay, so this is our dark room test. Cooley's undergoing yet another test with the same goal as before. Find the hidden toy. Only now the lights are off, and the toy is not in the first room Cooley enters, but in a second, smaller room off to the side. This also tells us if it takes her a little while to try to find it, how much hunt drive she actually has. So it's not just immediate to make sure, even after she gets tired, even after she's hot, that she still wants that toy enough to be looking for it. Cooley bounds in, sniffs the first room, everything, all four walls. Then she zeroes in on the closet. We can't see her, only hear her. Her trainers, Sean and Ashley, are grading every step of her performance on a long, detailed checklist. You can hear the difference in her breathing pattern. When she, when she got in order, she stopped mouth breathing through her nose. Cooley walked across a mattress, didn't stop. Jumped on one end of a makeshift teeter-totter, didn't phase her. These are the dogs that people get as pets, and they eat their couch, yep. and they're yep. the worst terrible pets. They make the really, really good dogs, for the most part. We love all of that. She runs down a hallway, sniff, sniff. A large canvas bag is suspended from the ceiling, ready to drop and block her way. It's been pulled up to the ceiling. Big heavy bag. Here he comes. Here she comes. We all jumped when the bag dropped from the ceiling. Cooley didn't. She paused, looked at the bag, sniffed it, and carried on. Dogs' noses are something like a hundred thousand times more sensitive than ours. A puppy, fresh off the boat, can find a hidden toy in a darkened room. Dogs can perform all manner of olfactory tasks using judgment, drive, and discipline. It's their superpower. That's why they're dogs at the airport sniffing luggage, or why it's always a dog who finds the hiker lost in the woods. Spend a little time at 360 K9 in the hills of Alabama, and every one of your preconceptions about the genius of dogs will be confirmed. We had a dog, a black lab, that we retired. 
and we allowed the dog, you know, so we had a ceremony and we bought, we, Wait, you had a ceremony? we, and we hired, a, you know, there's a local bakery that makes dog friendly cakes. So we had a cake for the dog. We were sitting in the 360 canine conference room, listening to Jerry Johnson and John Pierce, two of the company's senior executives, two hardcore dog guys talking about the best they ever saw. And we had the dog in the room and run around and just, you know, off leash and sniffing everybody, super friendly dog. The lady comes in to deliver the cake and she's got her boyfriend or husband with her and he's standing there holding the cake and the dog keeps running up behind the guy and going behind him and basically like sniffing his rear end and sniffing the back of his, uh, you know, his shirt and won't leave him alone. And I remember who asked him, but finally someone said, yeah, John said, are you carrying a weapon? And he was like, no, I I was carrying a weapon. I took it off and left it in the car just prior to walking in here. And the guy had, you know, three minutes before taken his gun off yeah. and left it in his car. And the dog still found it. And, you know, we were, we were having a party. What oh, was that dog's name? That was uh, Cole. Cole and Cooley. Add them to the long list of doggy all-stars. But you already knew dogs could do this, right? Now it's time to go further. A few years ago, a Labrador named Florin flew in from London to Boston. At the invitation of a research scientist at MIT named Andreas Merschen, coming in on a winter's morning for a special one dog exhibition. Florin, the famous dog, flew first class to MIT. So I didn't have time to go through all the hoops, so we had to rent a hotel room, <laughs> a hotel ballroom, uh, right across the street at the Marriott. Mershin is a kind of scientific jack-of-all-trades. He's technically a physicist. But as he likes to say, he operates in blissful ignorance of disciplinary boundaries. He's interested in solar panels, in quantum effects in molecular biology, not to mention something that I cannot begin to understand, called cytoskeletal memory encoding. Mershin got interested in prostate cancer, one of the most common of all cancers. Mershon heard about the work being done by a British researcher named Claire Guest, who had been training dogs to detect diseases, the same way we've been training dogs for years to detect explosives. And Mershon and Guest ended up working together, which is what led to Florin, Guest's four-year-old Labrador, flying into Boston one cold winter's morning to perform a special sniffing demonstration for the senior leadership of the Prostate Cancer Foundation. So wait, describe the scene. This is this is hilarious. You in the ballroom of the Marriott? Yes. No. Other how many people? people oh, maybe maybe a dozen people, maybe a few more. A but people. but that's they're all by invitation, okay? No. And there's a giant carousel in the middle, about seven feet across, which has eight arms, and each arm is a, a jar, glass jar of urine, closed off by a metal frit. Everything is stainless steel. Everything is disinfected. Everything is super clean. The jars have all been pre-selected from a biological repository. Some are filled with urine from people known to have suffered from prostate cancer. Others are controls. Florin's job is to sniff each jar. If she detects what she believes is a positive sample, she's supposed to stop and stare at the jar before moving on. Were the people from the Prostate Foundation skeptical? Oh, yes, of course, and as rightly they should be. You must see this to believe it. Uh, nobody should <laughs> take these kind of things on, on just somebody's, uh, especially when we're talking about people's lives here, right? It was early in the morning 
Mershon looked at Florin and worried she wasn't up to the task. So they had brought Florin the dog in first class. Then the American customs had to, by law, deworm her, give her medicine. So she had to be vomiting and all sorts of other unpleasantness happened to the poor dog. And there's coffee smells everywhere, by the way, in the Marriott. People were serving breakfast. I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to confuse this dog now with all the coffee. And she's, uh, you know, jet lagged and dewormed. And this poor dog is not going to perform. And she kicks it out of the park. (laughs) The people from the Prostate Cancer Foundation are so blown away, they end up funding Guest and Mershon's research project to explore the idea that smell might be the best way to diagnose a dangerous cancer. To a layman like me, the idea that a cancer or a virus would have a smell is not intuitive. It's not the disease itself that has the smell. What happens is it changes your body's metabolic pathways, of which you have thousands going on. In every cell, there's different things happening. They change, and many of these pathways, many of these processes inside your cells, uh, they have as a byproduct odorants. Odorants are volatile organic compounds that tend to fly around and come out of your body. So cancer, for instance, uh, likely leaves an imprint on every emission that you have, from sweat to urine to saliva to tears to you name it. Human beings are a sight species. Sight is our superpower. The biggest web of sensory connections in our brains is between our cortex and our eyes. We can differentiate colors in a way that few other species can. But as our eyesight evolved to get better, our noses got worse. As the biologist John Bradshaw puts it, there appear to be limits on how much information any brain can process. So if you optimize for seeing, you compromise on smelling. Dogs make the opposite trade-off. Their eyes are mediocre. Their noses are amazing. To Florin, prostate cancer wasn't a clump of cells. It was an odor. An odor so distinctive that it made her stop and stare. Let's imagine that you and I both have prostate cancer at the same stage. Is it fair to assume that we, the way in which our body smell is, our odor is altered by that cancer? Correct. Might not be the same. Exactly. So why can the dog generalize? For the same reason that you can generalize the gait. You can track my uh, footprints. If I teach you what footprints look like on wet sand and how they're distributed... So the dog learns to identify the footprints on the wet sand where it's easy to see and easy to see the, the gate. And then it generalizes, it, it extrapolates and says, oh, this smells like the stuff that they used to want me to find. Human beings try to screen for prostate cancer by looking for it. Of course we do. We're a species that's in love with sight. We ask men over a certain age to take a blood test to look for something called the prostate-specific antigen. And if we see a lot of that antigen, we take a closer look at the prostate itself. We take half a dozen or more little slices of the prostate and look at them under the microscope. We look, and we look again. The problem is that only around a quarter of men who have elevated PSA levels actually end up having prostate cancer. You could have high PSA levels for some other reason. You could also have normal PSA levels and still have prostate cancer. And so the result of all that looking is an enormous amount of error. Lots of men are told they could have a dangerous cancer when they don't, and lots of other men have cancer that gets missed. The prostate screening error rate is so bad that many men avoid it altogether. I'm not getting tested. Are you kidding me? All you have to do is spend a few hours reading the available literature, and you realize that looking for early signs of prostate cancer is a fool's game. It's really, really hard. 
But Florin, the dog, didn't look. Florin bypassed all that nonsense. Florin just sniffed. And did Florin make any mistakes? Oh, sure, of course. If something is 100% right, it's 100% wrong. So yes, there's definitely errors in the samples, and the, and the dog can definitely make errors. However, you should remember this. So do all of our tests. And currently, the dogs are better than any test. Notice how he said dogs are better. It's not like Florin is some kind of super dog, the Usain Bolt of the canine world. Lots of dogs could do just what she did. A dog can do better than the the tests you trust, and you don't trust the dog. And I'm glad you don't trust the dog. We have to not trust the dog. The dog is teaching us. No, dogs are definitely error-prone, same as everything else. But currently, and this is a mind-blowing statistic, of all the diseases that have ever been tried to be identified by a trained dog, all of them have succeeded. That is mind-blowing. It should be, we should be paying attention to this. What the hell is happening where we can't make this thing not work. Mm-hmm. I mean, shouldn't you be angry at this? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, what are we doing? Well, exactly. What are we doing? Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. Let me tell you an unconventional story about a healthcare group that wanted to improve their efficiency. Boston Children's Hospital. They were already a leading pediatric facility. Their patient outcomes, workflows, and delivery of care were already great. But they wondered, how can we make it better? So the hospital got to work. Their idea was to build what they called clinical mobility, meaning a system which would allow their staff to access information and interact with patients on mobile devices anywhere in the hospital. And what made that possible? 5G. The hospital rebuilt their entire system with 5G technology at its core. That infrastructure now supports thousands of phones and tablets so practitioners can communicate with patients on a whole new level. Boston Children's also made sure the system could flex and scale to handle medical advancements like robotic surgery and virtual reality for training and research. This was worlds away from how they had previously operated. This innovative work hasn't gone unnoticed, first by patients, but also by their peers. Boston Children's was a first place winner in the industry category at last year's unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business an event that celebrates customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of innovation. If the Boston Children's story rings a bell with you, if your team has asked the same questions about building a better business solution, I encourage you to enter this year's awards. It's a great way to be recognized for smart, disruptive thinking in front of some of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash 
unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. Imagine you're part of a typical American family in the 17 or 1800s. After a long winter, you'd find the inside of your home covered in a thick layer of soot. Your kerosene lamps and your coal or wood heating system would have rendered your home in desperate need of a vigorous cleaning. And thus began the annual ritual of spring cleaning, which also included the very important job of changing out your smelly straw mattress. And while your current mattress most likely isn't made of straw, there's still a good chance it needs replacing. You deserve a Sattva luxury mattress. Sattvas are meticulously handcrafted and include all the luxury features you'd expect from a high-end mattress. But because they're sold online, they cost a fraction of the price of retail. What's more, Sattva will set up your mattress in the room of your choice and take your old one at no extra charge. After all, you've got enough work ahead of you with all that spring cleaning to do. And now, save $200 on $1,000 or more at sattva.com slash gladwell. That's S-A-A-T-V-A dot com slash gladwell. The chief research scientist for 360K9 is a man named Bill Schneider, Dr. William Schneider. Schneider used to work at Fort Detrick, the Army garrison in Maryland where the Pentagon does its top-secret biodefense work. Schneider's specialty was plant virology, diseases that affect things like peach or cherry trees. I come from a plant background, but being at Fort Detrick, I had access to a lot of tools and toys that typical scientists didn't have in their repertoire, and I'd been playing around with those. But then, just like Andreas Mershon over at MIT, Schneider began to hear of the supposedly miraculous powers of dogs. So he decided to hold a sniff-off. Fort Detrick has a special containment facility where they could do an actual head-to-head challenge, comparing detection results between a dog and one of modern science's highest tech tests. Schneider chose as the test case a plant virus called plumpox and bet against the dogs. He was a lab guy, not a dog guy. Yeah, you name it, we had access to it. Gas chromatography, mass spectrometry, all sorts of very deep sequencing, heavy-duty nucleic acid analysis, things that are pretty darn cool, actually, and not one single one of them can beat the dogs. In fact, the, the U.S. Army invested about $19 billion in trying to find a machine that could detect explosives better than dogs. And in the end, all these projects, nothing could come close to what the dogs can do. So I had to convert myself. Bill Schneider, the convert, decided to change careers. He left government work, started making sophisticated canine training aids. I come to you, Bill, and I say, Bill, we have a new highly infectious virus out there. We know almost nothing about it. What do you do next? I say I need the genomic information. So that's a key step in practically any diagnostics these days and with good purpose because when you have genomic information, you can design assays or in my case, you can design a training aid that will teach a dog to directly detect that. You're making a scent. Yes, exactly. You're you're looking at a blueprint and you're saying, ah, 
Yep. This gene, this protein, this protein, this protein, this protein. I can construct that in a lab. Yeah. Florin, the prostate cancer dog, was trained on samples taken directly from people with prostate cancer. Schneider was taking the next step, figuring out a way to extract the scent of the disease itself, refining the process, creating customized disease fragrances that could be shipped overnight to dogs anywhere in the world. I'm assuming you're avoiding everything that has to do with actual virulence, contagiousness. It's an inert, it's a harmless substance. Yep, you could eat it if you wanted to. It wouldn't taste all that great, but yeah, it's completely safe. It's completely stable. You can make as much of it as you want. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we have a little vial of something mm -hmm. that has a, a characteristic odor. Correct. You, you and I can't smell that. Nope. No. In fact, I would have bet you a lot of money that nothing could smell it because in our mind, none of these things had scent. The world scientists were studying and refining the diagnostic power of dogs. Then COVID-19 happened. Breaking news tonight, the coronavirus forcing millions more Americans into virtual lockdown. Over 75 million people in New York, California, Illinois, and Connecticut ordered to stay at home. Bill Schneider realized that his technique of making these little vials of disease fragrance might prove really useful. Is there any reason to believe that COVID might be the exception to this pattern? Not in my mind, no. No, the once I crossed that threshold with the original virus that we'd worked on, which was that plumpox virus, I knew you could translate this not just to another virus in plants. I can take and transfer that to humans, or cattle, or swine, or chickens, or anything, and off you go. COVID first surfaces at the end of 2019. The novel Coronavirus Genome is published in early January of 2020. The WHO declares a pandemic that spring. And across the country, there's demand for COVID-19 testing as positive cases are on the rise. Some people have had to wait longer than two weeks to receive results. While the world is in lockdown in the early summer of 2020, Bill Schneider's lab gets going, synthesizing the proteins that make up the smell of SARS-CoV-2. The trainers start training dogs on it, hardworking, focused, unflappable dogs who really love the idea of sniffing 9 to 5. By the time we got to September 15th, we were starting to collect clinical samples from people who were confirmed positive, and we were checking the dogs on those clinical samples, and they didn't miss a beat. They were 99% accurate. And at that point, I was very confident that the dogs we were training could detect COVID in people's masks, on their socks, in sweat, in saliva. Labs, shepherds, Belgian Malinois. Floppy-eared, pointy-eared, doesn't much matter. What matters is that they're a dog, they have a big, powerful nose, and they're perfectly happy to put that magnificent nose to work in the service of helping all of us, their best friends. Let's think about some of the options we have when detecting a deadly new pathogen as it moves through a human population. One option is what we ended up trying with COVID in the United States. We make you come to a testing site. 
stand in line with a lot of people who also think they might have COVID. Really good idea, by the way. Stick a nasty swab up your nose, charge you a couple hundred dollars, use an insanely expensive and complicated and high-tech system called PCR to give you an answer that may or may not be useful because it didn't always get to you in time. Remember, sometimes it would take forever to get your test results. Sometimes two weeks, and maybe in those two weeks, while you were waiting, you were infecting everyone you met. The result of all the cost and inconvenience and hassle and imperfection of option one was that we've never done enough testing at any stage of the pandemic. And because we didn't do enough testing, the pandemic soared out of control. Someone has a wedding or a Thanksgiving dinner, and in a perfect world, everyone would get tested before coming, but of course they don't. And one person ends up infecting 10 other people, and maybe one or two of those 10 will die. All these horror stories have, at their core, a failure of disease detection. I emailed Michael Minna at the Harvard School of Public Health, who was one of the big critics of the way we tested for COVID. And this is what he wrote back about the way testing works. It has to do with what epidemiologists call R-naught, which is the average number of people infected by an infected person. If an epidemic has R-naught above one, it grows exponentially. If R-naught falls below one, an epidemic dies out. Here's what Minna wrote. This whole pandemic and all of the massive outbreaks we've seen have been with an R-naught of about 1.3. That means that every 10 people infected went on to infect, on average, 13 people. Well, in that case, if you have 100 people infected on day one, then 30 days later, you have about 600 new infections. Exponential growth, end quote. All we had to do to stop the pandemic was to test just enough people and prevent just enough new infections so that those 10 newly infected people only infected, on average, nine other people. We just had to move the needle a little bit. And we couldn't do it. Option one was one of the most criminally stupid acts of public health incompetence in American history. Now, imagine another option. Let's move to a a hypothetical. So I'm a high school. Okay. I want to reopen. Right. We're in the middle of the raging pandemic. And I come to you and I say, I I want to use your service. Are we talking, how would you, tell me how you would fix that up. I'm talking to Jerry Johnson, who runs biodetection at 360 K9. Dog at the front door? Yep. The first 50 kids come in, they stand on their spot. Dog searches them. They go into class. The next 50 comes in. We could do that you know, relatively quickly. You know, and maybe you have some coming in the gymnasium, some coming in the cafeteria. It's all about having the real estate to get the children lined up. So, and you could do that with one dog or two dogs? You would, you would want two dogs. Yeah. Particularly if it's, if it's a public health issue and school children, you want the dogs to be very, very thorough. So if the dog's conditioned to work 45 minutes, we'd want to stop at 30 just to make sure that the yeah. dog is, you know, not fatiguing at all. A PCR test costs somewhere in the range of $150, and you wait forever for the result. The cost of a dog test, once you've factored in the dog, the training, paying the handler, is something like $2.50 a test. And the dog gives you the answer immediately. So the dog is, you got these kids lined up, 
Dog sniff, 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 sniff. Finds a dog has a positive. Right. What is the dog doing at that point? Just sits. Just sits. So when the dog goes down line, what we like to do is we line people up. We have them. We have the dog go down. As they're facing forward, the dog goes down the left-hand side of the line, and mm -hmm. it just does a quick. You'll see it, it's a it's a minimally invasive search. The dog will put its nose on the back of the person's hand. They target the hand. If you have open-toed shoes, it might target your feet. But it makes quick contact with the skin, but then it keeps going. The dog won't really break stride. If it gets an odor and there's the presence of virus, then you'll see the dog stop, it'll sniff more, it'll investigate, and then it'll go into the, the so, sit response. So that person who, who's been identified as a dog is positive is then pulled out for secondary screening. They take him to second, go to the nurse's office and get a, a rapid test. The next time a pandemic hits, we could have dogs at the front door of every school in America. We could have dogs at the front door of restaurants and dogs in bars and dogs in train stations and dogs at the airport. We could have dogs walking down the street, checking out everyone on the sidewalk. Your block could band together and have a dog come every night at dinner time to sniff everyone. You could hire a dog along with caterers at your daughter's wedding or your son's bar mitzvah or every Sunday morning at church to make sure you aren't holding a super spreader event. Dogs give us the power to move the needle from an R-naught of one to an R-naught of something less than one. That is option two, the canine option. But will we go down that path? Forgive me if I'm skeptical, because to take option two, we will need tens of thousands of dogs. And we don't have tens of thousands of dogs trained and ready. And why don't we have a whole national canine guard trained and ready, matched up with their handlers for any conceivable future pandemic, a strategic puppy reserve to call on whenever an emergency happens? Because at the end of the day, we don't really believe in dogs. We like them as friends, sure, but not as medical diagnosticians. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet, but you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, Credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. Let me tell you an unconventional story about a healthcare group that wanted to improve their efficiency. Boston Children's Hospital. They were already a leading pediatric facility. Their patient outcomes, workflows, and delivery of care were already great. But they wondered, how can we make it better? So the hospital got to work. Their idea was to build what they called clinical mobility, 
meaning a system which would allow their staff to access information and interact with patients on mobile devices anywhere in the hospital. And what made that possible? 5G. The hospital rebuilt their entire system with 5G technology at its core. That infrastructure now supports thousands of phones and tablets so practitioners can communicate with patients on a whole new level. Boston Children's also made sure the system could flex and scale to handle medical advancements like robotic surgery and virtual reality for training and research. This was worlds away from how they had previously operated. This innovative work hasn't gone unnoticed, first by patients, but also by their peers. Boston Children's was a first place winner in the industry category at last year's unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event that celebrates customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of innovation. If the Boston Children's story rings a bell with you, if your team has asked the same questions about building a better business solution, I encourage you to enter this year's awards. It's a great way to be recognized for smart, disruptive thinking in front of some of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was raised not to complain. I had one of those English stiff upper lip fathers. He carried his wounds and grievances on the inside. And I'm the same way. It's very hard to tell the difference between when I'm calm and happy and when I'm teetering on the edge. Is that good? Sometimes. Keeps things calm for my kids. But there are times when we have to share our burdens and enlist the help of others in making sense of our lives. That's where therapy comes in. A good therapist is someone who can walk with you and make that load on your shoulders a little lighter. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Gladwell today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Gladwell. Maybe you remain unconvinced that dogs could prevent the next pandemic. It sounds goofy, I know, panting Labradors everywhere. The dog does not wear a white coat. She did not go to medical school or have a row of diplomas on the wall of her doghouse. She just uses her big, wet nose. But allow me a brief, final, and hopefully persuasive digression on the indelicate subject of colonoscopies. Have you had one? You should. It might save your life. But if you're over the age of 50 and haven't gotten around to getting one yet, I think I know why. They're a pain in the you-know-what. You can't eat for 24 hours. Then you go to a medical office and suffer the indignity of being impaled on something long and painful. But 10 guesses about who is really, really good at detecting colon cancer. Yes, dogs. May I refer you to the following research paper published in the prestigious journal Gut, Volume 60, Issue 6, 
first author Hideto Sonata of the School of Medicine at Kyushu University in Japan. Entitled Colorectal Cancer Screening with Odor Material by Canine Scent Detection, with the conclusion that a dog is just as good as any alternative modern medicine has come up with. When was that paper published? January of 2011. That's how long we have known that a dog with a few months of training can come trotting in and save the day. But when you go to your gastroenterologist, do you see a dog waiting there? No, you don't. Because we don't believe in smell. We believe in sight. We have more faith in the impossibly complicated and expensive and inefficient products of our own technological imagination than we do in the superpowers that nature has bestowed on other animals. We are, as a species, narcissists. And with COVID, our narcissism caught up with us. We don't have to live in an imperfect world. We can fix things. We can mend the broken and upgrade the mediocre. But first, we need to get over ourselves. Let Cooley and Cole and Florin show us the way to a better future. Revisionist History is produced by Mia LaBelle, Lee Mingistu, and Jacob Smith, with Eloise Linton and Ananae. Our editor is Julia Barton, original scoring by Luis Guerra, mastering by Flon Williams, and engineering by Martin Gonzalez. Fact-checking by Amy Gaines. Special thanks to the Pushkin crew, Hedda Fain, Carly Migliori, Maya Koenig, Daniela Lacan, Maggie Taylor, Eric Sandler, Nicole Morano, Jason Gambrell, and of course, Jacob Weisberg. And a special thanks to the dogs of Pushkin, past and present, Coco, Finn, Dash, POTUS, Colette, Ninja, Dorley Funder Lichtenberg, Linus, Zuzu, Freeway the Poodle, Max, Sparky, Roxy, Rosie, Oslo, and mine, Biggie Smalls, a brilliant, irascible, adorable cat. I know, I know, after all that, I'm a cat person. Sorry, everyone. See you next season. Guys, we have to. I don't road. think there's a road here. I think this is. Yes, there is. Look. Okay. Okay. I mean, it could be wrong, but it looks like a road to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a road. Let's it's follow a road. That. Let's follow for a while. Guys, we're going to the land of the nose. How can you not follow your nose? Does the doggy look on? The dogs do not look on Google Maps. They're looking at ways. <laughs> following their nose. <laughs> That's true. Lassie That's did true. not have ways. No. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators 
whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you, and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry, and me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventionalawards. See you there. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through their day. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side-by-side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, saving accounts, and more at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter.